Hey all, thanks for checking out On The Bubble Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. The show you're listening to is 100% fan-supported, so if you do enjoy today's episode and you want to help us keep making them, check out patreon.com slash Joshua C. Liston. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Joshua C. Liston. And as we like to say around here, a share is as good as a dollar. So even if you can't support us financially, which we completely understand given the state of the world at the moment, we definitely appreciate a little sherry share on social media just as much. So thanks again, and now on with the episode. Hello, new friends, and welcome to episode one of the On The Bubble podcast. I'm your host, Josh Liston, and you found yourself in a place where we talk exclusively about Save Our Show TV fan campaigns. Pretty fun stuff, something I'm pretty passionate about these days. And we're talking about the people, the places, the cool stuff and the weird stuff of all things saving TV shows. So I'm hoping that this new show will be kind of my feelings and the feelings of the community around the shows and almost like a small concentrated oral history show of what makes these shows engage their fans enough to want to go out and try to save the show and even more so focus down on the cool things and the great things and as I mentioned the weird things and creative ideas that fans have had to try and save the shows they love so much. So that's the idea of the show. You can find out heaps more about the show at this early stage at onthebubblepodcast.com. That's onthebubblepodcast.com. So you'll find links to where to get the show, how to listen on other apps, Android and iOS. We'll have all our recommendations there on the front page for the best places to get, rate and review the show. Now let's talk some TV. show which uh, you know of course I love talking about I love that show so much and it's really touching how years later everybody's still kind of devastated that it was cancelled after two seasons because I was devastated too. So that was actually Thomas Decker from the show Sarah Connor Chronicles or Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles which is one of my favorite shows and I know a lot of people out there are probably thinking you've launched a new show Josh about Save Our Show fan campaigns probably not the biggest or most broadly known idea in the world. Why would you start a new podcast with a show that maybe is even smaller within that genre of shows as far as people knowing about the show and having the actual fan campaign be famous in its own right? And I thought it was probably a good idea for me to start there because not only is Sarah Connor Chronicles, in my opinion, a much underrated show and underappreciated show, but it's also the first place where I personally found that Save Our Show TV fan campaigns even exist. So I'll just take you back a little bit into that story. And I think today I'm hopefully going to strike a balance between letting you know what sort of stuff's going to be in this show going forward and also where I'm coming from and why for someone that never really grew up being a crazy, crazy TV fandom person, I was turned on to how great fans can be and how creative they can be to keep shows going by seeking out a third season of Sarah Connor Chronicles and then finding that the show had actually been cancelled and there was never going to be a third season. So it was 2009 and 
I loved the first two Terminator movies so much, and I never liked much after that. And my little brother, of all things, was really pushing me because him and I loved those two movies growing up. And I guess it was kind of a thing that him and I did together, rewatch those first two. And I was so protective about the mythology and the idea that I'd seen messed with or messed up even in Terminator 3, etc., that I wasn't sure it was something that I was going to enjoy or like. And I thought it'd be better for me just to personally not watch the show and keep what I think about Terminator, which is just those first two movies enclosed in a little bubble. Man, was I wrong. I mean, I loved the show. I rewatched the show. I constantly was watching the show, just seeing new things and thinking they're the sorts of things that grab fans deeply, not just the quality of the writing, but the attention to detail in the dress that they had and the choices of when to strip the drama out of the show, when to have periods of no music, when to change the style of the music to a really strange and creative style. All those kinds of things led me to loving the show. So on the Bubble Podcast, it's not just going to be me talking about shows that I love, but today, maybe a little more so than going forward, because I'm starting from where I discovered the idea of TV fan campaigns. So so after discovering the show, I guess, I just barreled through it all. It started at episode one, which is probably, in my opinion, the weakest episode. It's really the only really, really weak episode, in my opinion. And that was something I'd seen years earlier than when I actually watched the show. When it first was released, I'm like, oh, I'm definitely not watching now. I really didn't like that first episode. After I got over that and rewatched it, and I realized in retrospect, they had a lot to set up, and it had to almost be more of a mini movie than it was the start of a serialized, more dark and deep TV show, because people were expecting in the general public, I guess, it's a Terminator-related thing. There's got to be a lot of dramatic scenes and lots of explosions and robots, all those kinds of things. So as the show moved on, I loved it more and more. And as I said, I watched it really quickly and then rewatched it. The finale is devastating as a fan, which I'm sure going forward, that's something through shows that have been on the bubble. If they don't end up being cancelled early, then maybe you're happy with the finale, maybe you're not. But a lot of shows, when they're cancelled, they're either cancelled out of nowhere, but I think what's more devastating for a fan is when a show has a mini finale almost, which is what happened in Sarah Connor Chronicles, which leaves so many storylines open. So that's something we'll probably see as I bring people onto the show in the future, experts on particular shows or people that have really strong opinions about them, whether they were driven into the fan campaigns earlier than the show finishing or getting on board later because things like the finale were just so devastating for them as fans. So that's one thing we'll talk about going forward, I guess. Now, to bring all that back in line with the Sarah Connor fan campaign, I started Googling season three, expecting that they'll have a date for it, not realizing that Judgment Day, I guess, for Sarah Connor Chronicles had already happened. In earlier that year, in May 2009, there wasn't going to be a season three. And I was just really taken back by that because not only were some of the shows that I knew were 
also on the bubble and were maybe in competition for the same production dollars as Sarah Connor Chronicles, simply not as good as shows. It was also the fact that they'd left this massive cliffhanger. And some shows get to have mini finales that go on and on and on. And you're like, okay, well, if the show ends there, there's not too many open storylines or they're not starting too many new storylines. That wasn't the case for Sarah Connor Chronicles. It was opening up an entire new bunch of timelines almost, which is something I guess that happens a lot more in that particular show than a normal show. And I didn't know what to think to start with. But the one place that I found the most information on what was happening with the show, whether there was going to be a season three, and then started to find out about, hey, there's a group of fans that are really campaigning hard to get the networks to work together or to realise, we know this show wasn't great in the ratings, but its artistic depth and the quality of the writing can't be ignored. And that was mostly coming from a website called SaveTheSCC.com, which actually is still up. So you can go and check that out. If you're hearing this in the future, that site may or may not exist. But that was basically the first place that I found that the show had been cancelled, but that there was also a Save Our Show fan campaign, which was already rolling by the time that I discovered it. There was a lot of things that they were doing, which I thought were just really awesome. Some had happened. Some I came in at the right time. I saw the actions as they were happening. And there were some really creative and unique ideas. So as opposed to me just rattling off what happened, I'm going to play two pieces of audio now. One is performed and the other is just spoken conversationally with my friend Renee from the USA, who is a massive Sarah Connor Chronicles fan and is, was very active from a certain point in the Save the SCC movement. The first of the two pieces of audio is actually a letter that Summer Glau, who played Cameron Phillips on the show, a fan favourite, I guess, Summer wrote a letter to summer-glau.com describing the feelings that she had in her, I guess, her own official announcement about the show being cancelled. And obviously it was not going to really be possible for me to get Summer to read her own letter that she wrote years ago on this show. So Renee's agreed to do that for me, which is amazing. And you'll hear a lot of the same emotions I think the fans had. Summer displayed in her writing of that letter to summer-glau.com and I do have permission to read the letter so which is really cool for them to let me do that and the second piece of audio is just a quick roundup of some of the basic ideas and things that Save the SCC coordinated during that 2009 period which was really cool stuff which you'll hear from Renee also so I'm going to play them back to back so the first one is a letter from Summer Glau the actress in her own words to summer-glau.com and the second is my friend Renee describing some of the things that she saw happen that even thinking back on, she remembers so well. So we'll jump in with those now. Dear friends, here is my long overdue thank you note to anyone and every person who has watched our pride and joy, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Now that our season is done and I somehow feel far away, I want to say that it wouldn't have been possible without faithful viewers 
and it wouldn't have been fun to make without such sincere interest from you. I choose to post my note on Christelle's website so that I could also thank her for the beautiful work she has done on my behalf for this site. I come here to reminisce from time to time because she has posted so many of my best memories. Thank you, Christelle. Anyway, I just want to say that acting for anyone who enjoys it is a privilege. Thank you all for helping make that possible. I am devastated that our show will not be back, jammering forever, but I can't say that I'm ungrateful for the opportunity to be part of something so special. I'm really proud of what our team put together and eternally thankful to all of you for embracing what we were trying to do. I love Josh very much and thank him. He pushed to make me part of this cast and created a series that was unique and beautiful. James Middleton held us together, staying with us every day on set and talking us through every step. John Worth and Jill Danton are all stars that I pray I work with again. All of our writers. Tony, thank you for giving me Allison from Palmdale. I was just going through my scripts this morning. I thought it was time. I picked up Born to Run, written by Josh Friedman. I'm going to miss that so much. I'm really sad. You know, I'm not good at posting things, but this is my effort. I'm not very brilliant, witty, or poetic like my mentors. You know who they are, but I love you. Summer. Yeah, um, well, SaveTheSCC.com was basically a fan effort um, before the show was canceled. Um, I think it. I think they um, formed up in maybe February or March of 2009 when they knew that the ratings were were uh, not as good as they probably needed to be. And uh, that the show was on the bubble, as as they say here in the U.S. I don't know if they say that over there. But uh, so it, it was an effort that kind of just I wasn't really I was involved a little bit later, but they got people together. And like we did things like uh, we started doing viewing parties where we would stream the show on Warner Brothers website and we would chat while we were streaming the show. And that those still actually happen on Saturday Saturday nights, it'd be Sunday morning in Australia, where we get together and we start our DVDs at the same time and we are in an IRC channel chatting away. But it was just those kinds of just just getting the fans together. And there there was already an official wiki through uh, Wet Paint, as like a lot of TV shows have their official uh, wiki sites, which are just their community sites through Wet Paint. So that was one of the ways that that. that people organized. And uh, so one two, one of the big campaigns that they did, which was actually put a just a stupid grin on my face for three days straight, was they raised funds to have, um, do you guys have those like giant billboards on trucks in Australia? Have you ever seen those? We definitely do. Okay. Well, yeah, they saved the SEC raised funds to get one of those giant billboards driving around Los Angeles, in particular, um, driving past the Warner Brothers studios in um, September of 2009, it must have been. Um, so that was one of the big silly things. Um, and uh, there were, you know, there's videos on YouTube and stuff. Other things were like, there was a kind of a big campaign where there were different tasks every day. So one day you might create a classified ad in the local newspaper and then, and and they were really creative and funny and maybe you would, it was, there was like a Twitter day where everybody tweets about Connor. You guys had postcard runs quite often too. Yeah. Where you would send postcards. Yeah. Oh, and 
Yep. Postcards to Warner Brothers Fox, um, any of the networks that might be interested in picking it up and somebody organize an easy way to do it through a site where you could just, you know, pay whatever for postage basically and get the card sent out um, with a stock message. Um, there were stickers. Oh, the stickers. How could I forget <laughs> the stickers? Um, there's a an online printer that you can get like business card size stickers for really, really cheap if you order them in huge quantities. So people would show up at conventions with just a stack of stickers and they not only would they be handing them out, but they would cover themselves in stickers. At these <laughs> so like at uh, San Diego Comic Con, um, there'd be these people running around with Sarah Connor stickers, you know, and that's a conversation starter and they'd hand them out. And I did that when I went to Dragon Con uh, a couple of years. It just had a bunch of stickers on me. And, um, you know, people would ask about them and I'd hand them out and whatever. So those are just some of the things that we did. So, yeah, as you can hear, there was some great ideas that the people behind, say, the SCC had. And that actual piece of tape there was from a couple of years ago when I got to speak to Renee, when I guess the Save the SCC campaign was a little fresher. So I thought I'd just dig that piece of tape up and throw in here because it just encapsulates the activity and the creativeness and the dedication of the Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles fans. And just to expand upon a few of the things that I didn't actually happen to get down on tape with Renee last time I spoke to her, I actually had a tweet when I was just floating around on the internet recently from Annie the Mighty, I think is from the USA. She actually remembers getting, say, the SEC dog tags, bags, obviously the stickers. She also mentions there's one of her favorite shows. So I thought I might just mention a few other things that I thought were really cool that happened during the campaign. Apologies if these are chronologically not in a perfect order, but a lot of it was happening around the same time. There was a pre-show movie theater advertising campaign, which I thought was awesome. That's a really cool idea. And that just shows that people were prepared to put a few dollars on the line, which is even cooler. There was a $1,500 plus donation to the American Cancer Society via a Give Back for Sarah Connor campaign. That's just great on every level. That's pretty awesome. So I guess it might be a good idea now just to go back a little bit and talk about how did the show get there to be on the bubble and then unfortunately not make it through to a third season. Everyone has their feelings. And I guess one of the more predominant ideas, well, there was two actually that I remember around the time. One was that not a lot of fans were happy with the way that Thomas Decker was portraying John Connor at times because he didn't really ever show until later into the second season that inside of what was a broody, sarcastic character at times, that there was a warrior's heart in there, which I guess from the movies and the mythology, we're expecting a brave and tactically oriented, even physically capable John Connor. And that wasn't the way the character was portrayed. And there were different camps on that. I actually personally really loved the way that Thomas Decker portrayed the character because regardless, if you take like Christian Bale's portrayal, for example, of the same character within that mythology, he was a very 
gung-ho, physically active, bulky kind of muscled up dude. But none of that stuff really matters when you're fighting against an enemy where their soldiers are thousands of times more durable and powerful than you are physically. So I like the fact that Thomas Decker took the approach of, I want to show emotional development and maturity in that way, and the development of his brain reaching a more tactical, and even at times in the second season, more heartless kind of approach, where he was more okay with sacrifice. That, to me, sat well, but to a lot of fans, it didn't. So I'm going to play another piece of tape now. It actually features the showrunner and creator of the show, Josh Friedman, talking about how some of the fans were interpreting the way Thomas was playing the role, and I guess more broadly, as a showrunner and a creator, how much of the fans' feelings about the way the show is working do you actually take on board? There are many fans who, like John Connor seems to be their favorite person to argue about whether, people have very particular expectations as to what that character should be doing. You know, should he be, you know, how far along in his development as a leader should he be? Um, and people get upset when he's not exhibiting those qualities. You know, if he does stupid things or if he's bratty to his mom or if he's, you know, I mean, the you know, emo John is like my favorite phrase, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I know what I'm planning, you know, Thomas Decker and I talk about it a lot. We think we're pretty good at executing what we want it to be. Uh, and then people may say, well, I just, I just don't like that he does this, or I don't like that he talk, you know, when he talks back to his mom, I think he's being whiny, whereas I might think he's being strong when he talks back to his mom, or I might think, yeah, he's being whiny because he's 16. And, you know, I think that's, you know, that's one of the frustrations sometimes where you, you feel like, you know, you're working on a dramatic arc for a character, but people are impatient. People want you to move forward. So you can hear there that even as a showrunner, the impressions of the fans can weigh on you and you have to make a call. And I can see why people would have thought that a different portrayal of John Connor made sense. But yeah, as Josh Freeman says, in the end, you have to go with what you think is best for the show as a whole and the narrative, I guess. So I guess the other big idea that I found in my research back in 2009 was a lot of stuff from around the time of Comic-Con 2008, where Josh Friedman was fielding a lot of questions about why a show that at its heart and the true fandom, I think, on a lot of levels was fueled by the strange, and I hate to call it a love story, between John and Cameron and their twisted relationship across multiple timelines. Why was there a glut of episodes focused on Sarah Connor? Which for me makes complete sense. The show's called The Sarah Connor Chronicles. But a lot of fans, I think, thought that there was a bit too active a push from the writers and the creators to remind people that Sarah is the main character of this show. You might not care about her like you do some of the other characters, but this show is about her. And there were several episodes where she was the main focus. But to me, one of the main issues was that some of the other episodes that were fantastic 
like Alison from Palmdale, had Sarah in a very, very sidelined role. So there was never really a big balance. But to me, it never bothered me enough because the writing was so good and all the characters were so good that little inconsistencies never meant enough for me to question the quality of the writing. And I'm sure a lot of fans would agree with me. Some definitely wouldn't, obviously. So that was the other idea that people had about the show, that were watching the show. But regardless of what you feel when you're actually watching a show, when it comes down to things like being on the bubble, or whatever that's called in your particular country, where a show is struggling for ratings, it's about the people that aren't watching, more so than the people's feelings on what the show is doing when you are actually already a watcher and having spoken to other big Sarah Connor Chronicles fans. One of the problems was that I don't think the show was marketed as being incredibly well written. It was marketed as an extension of the Terminator mythology. When you watch the show, it feels altogether different at times. That's all retrospective, obviously, but if you're expecting to turn up and see a week-to-week, blow them up, shoot them up, movie-style, action-style dialogue, and basic interactions between characters that drive an action sequence every week, you probably weren't going to love this show because it's not heaps like that. And that's, I guess, me being a little bit introspective and personal again. I don't want to do that too much in the future. Obviously, being one of my favourite shows ever, I've got some stronger feelings about this particular show than I normally would. So I guess for anyone who's listening to the show and is a fan of this particular fan campaign and Sarah Connor Chronicles, they're probably thinking to themselves by now that, Josh, why aren't you talking about the actors? Because they were so heavily involved and so passionate about saving the show themselves. So that's what I want to finish up with today, is just to describe, and I've got some tape coming from Brian Austin Green, who played Derek, and Thomas Decker, once again, who played John Connor. The things that they were working on personally to try and keep the show going and how they felt about it. Because in the end, I think they knew the writing on their show was world-class, but maybe the world didn't realise early enough, which I think is why the show was cancelled. Because I've had so many people come to me that have in the past thought, wow, you're really obsessed with that show. Why is that? And then they watched the show. And their normal reaction is something along the lines of, the writing is really good. And I wasn't expecting that. And I think it was a victim of the writer's strike and bad timing and other shows which were maybe not rating quite as well, but were a lot cheaper to produce in the mix for getting extra seasons as well. So I'm going to leave today with two pieces of tape, one from Thomas Decker and one from Brian Austin Green, about just a few of the things that they were pushing for to keep the franchise going, or the Sarah Connor Chronicles mythology going, which I think are really awesome. So the first one's from Brian Austin Green, who once again played Derek on the show, who is John's uncle in that mythology, and the second from Thomas Decker. And then we'll come back 
And I've just got a little quotation from showrunner Josh Friedman that I'm going to read to take us out for today's first episode of On The Bubble Podcast. So we'll jump to Brian now, then to Thomas, and then come back. How we keep the show going or, or do some sort of incarnation of it. And we've, we've figured out a way to get it done for fans, probably not for television, uh, for, for feature release, theatrical release, DVD, Blu-ray. So we're working on that now. And we're hoping to bring Josh Freeman back in to write it. And it'll, it'll be... It'll be a Sarah Connor movie. It'll be the continuation of the first season. Hello, this is Thomas Decker, aka John Connor of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I just wanted to thank all of you again. I've uh, thanked all of you on video before, but uh, I'm looking at a lot of Save the Sarah Connor stickers, and I hear about the freaking big push, and I say keep going with it. We really hope to bring you something, a movie of some sorts, or something else to keep it alive. But as long as you keep thinking about us and never forget us, the show will never really die. And no fate. Thank you. So there you go. I mean, how cool is that? Brian Austin Green, who was very famous in his own right before actually joining the show, was really active. And he had Thomas backing him up. They were driving the ship, which, as someone who first discovered Save Our Show fan campaigns from Sarah Connor Chronicles. That, I think, is why it perked my interest, was the fact that, hey, this isn't just some crazy fans in their bedrooms that are driving this thing. This is the actors putting themselves on the line and their reputations on the line to use the platform they have to try and get a cancelled show back on the screen. And I think that really embolden the fans to not feel like, hey, we're, we care more about the show than the actors do. I think it really fueled them. And it fueled me to do little things when I could all the way from Australia, which was harder, I guess, when it's an American show and you want to kind of be petitioning the studios in the country where it's produced. But the fact that the actors missed it so much, they loved being on the show so much, and they knew just like the fans, that people who find the show in the future are going to realise, wow, I can't believe I never gave this show a go because it is really great. So that's our last piece of tape for today. I just wanted to say, if you're still with me, thank you for joining me in this inaugural episode of On The Bubble Podcast. Next week, we're going to be tackling one of Save Our Show fan campaign's most well-known and wide-ranging fan campaigns, and that was for the show Chuck. So that should be really fun. And today, just to finish up, I just wanted to read you an article that was posted on savethescc.com and was originally from eOnline. And this is a segment of that article from showrunner Josh Friedman himself, the creator of Sarah Connor Chronicles and the showrunner, as I mentioned. I'm just going to read Josh's quote here. So, Josh Friedman from eOnline via the SCC.com. When the results of your 3,000 votes came in, we called up Terminator showrunner and executive producer Josh Friedman with the good news, and he told us exclusively, I think I speak for everybody who works on the show when I say thank you to the fans for their tireless work to save our show. 
I think it really goes to show that there is a really hardcore, emotional, passionate fan base for Terminator that is larger and more widespread than people give us credit for. There you go. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next week, and we'll talk some Chuck.